speaking of Sailor, I was on the Bitcoin show with Pio on Tuesday, and I, f- I forget Rand's last name, but Rand from CNBC, he, he does a crypto debate show, and he tipped us off that Sailor had been saying good things about ordinals. There was a podcast on it. I dropped it in our Twitter group, and Leo sprinted to get that video. I just said there's a video that exists. And let me tell you, Leo is the fastest gunslinger in the saloon because he pulled out that gun and he headshot that video onto Twitter. How do you feel about breaking the news? Dude, Sailor is probably one of just like the, he's like this controversial billionaire figure in the Bitcoin space, right? Everybody, like I remember being on spaces with Frank. Frank was like obsessed with Sailor. And we were just wondering like, when is this dude gonna, because basically the maxis, right? I think we're assuming that like, he's just, you know, kind of voices like Bitcoin Magazine and Sailor would, you know, fall towards their views. And it turns out that wasn't the case. So yeah, this guy went on a podcast and the last 10 minutes, um, he was asked, like, what do you think about ordinals on Bitcoin? And he just went like he had basically not spoken as far as I'm aware about them, like even once for four months. And then he just goes on this 10 minute rant about how much he loves the idea of being able to inscribe content onto Bitcoin. So I'm going to basically just play a 52 second clip here for people who are out of the loop. So just listen along. And then I want to hear Udi, I think, is Bud's sailor. So we can hear some commentary on what Udi thinks about this revelation. And yeah, it was I was certainly quite surprised. I figured he would be a little bit more indifferent. And he basically like the summary of it was he is not going to be telling people like go buy this art on this protocol. He doesn't know like which project is going to do well, but he's a huge fan of the idea of inscribing content onto Bitcoin. He thinks that's a serious use case for Bitcoin. He thinks we're going to have a lot of development activity move from other chains over to Bitcoin. He thinks that's very healthy. He thinks the activity on L1 and the high fees are healthy. So I'm just going to play this little clip to give people a taste of what that was like. So I think that what happened with ordinals and NFTs is we crossed this chasm from what was a bearish scenario to a bullish scenario. If I was a miner, I would be ecstatic. I think that long term, there are a lot of implications. Long term, the implication is there's going to be a lot of applications on the Bitcoin base layer. Yeah, if I can inscribe a piece of art, an NFT is an art, but I could also inscribe my last will and testament. And if my last will and testament is moving a billion dollars from me to you, how much is it worth to you to have that burned onto the blockchain and cryptographically verified? Yeah, at least a billion dollars for me, Michael. Would you pay 20 bucks? Yeah, 100%. Yeah, would you pay $100? Of course. There you go. There are interesting applications so as you can tell, Sailor seems to be somewhat bullish on just the idea of other applications on L1. He crushed it. The guy, I don't know him like super well. I haven't followed too much. He's been mostly on the Bitcoin side of things, but he's a pretty well-spoken dude. He definitely conveys conviction. And in this case, that conviction was something that we liked him conveying it towards. So definitely interesting. And what do you think it is about this dude? I honestly, like Udi, I really don't know that much about him other than he's like this controversial billionaire figure. Can you give some backstory on Sailor? Like why people were like freaking out that he talked positively about about ordinals on this podcast? I'm not an objective person to ask. I'm not going to give you the objective version. Give us the Udi version. Give us the Udi. I'm just prefacing it. (laughs) Yeah, he's... Famously, in 2013, Saylor said that Bitcoin is a scam and is going to zero. I actually saw that. That's when I decided to buy some Bitcoin. And then eight years later, I sold him some Bitcoin and he paid for some very nice vacations that I had. So I'm very happy for that. But also, he's 
obviously been a very big proponent of Bitcoin, which is great. He apparently through MicroStrategy owns a lot. I think MicroStrategy owns what, around 1% at this point of the Bitcoin supply, if I remember correctly. That's a lot. And he's been speaking very favorably about stuff like Lightning and so on. And so I think it is a good sign that he's had the time to look into ordinals and can see the value in it. I'm particularly interested in that from the kind of cultural aspect because Sailor, I don't know if I don't know if he intends to, but he ends up being a leadership figure for my good buddies, the Laser Eye Maxis. And they really look up to him. They listen to all of his podcasts. There's usually like 50 a week and they worship every word he says. So I think that him saying something positive about ordinals is, is probably causes, causes some blue screens of death to appear in their brains yesterday. And I think it has a lot to do with the general frustration <laughs> that, that we've seen from that side. But I also think the positive end for it is that I actually think that Sailor is a very like spoken guy. I think that I, if, you, if you go through like Twitter, you look at there's a lot of memes about stuff he said, like there is no second best and uh, you should mortgage your house and buy Bitcoin and stuff like that. But honestly, those are usually like sound bites that people took out of interviews that he had. And if you listen to the full thing, he's actually very responsible with the things that he's saying. He's, he's adding the needed warnings to stuff. And he's actually a very balanced dude. And he has like very interesting insights about Bitcoin. He was really a guy that's worth listening to. And I think that if he signals to that group that ordinals are maybe not a disaster, then that kind of gives them permission to say, hey, you know what, maybe we can talk about ordinals now. <laughs> I would expect that some of the kind of laser eye podcasts now would have would start having segments about ordinals, are they good or bad? Stuff like that. Like before they had to like completely ignore their existence, now they, they, they will probably be allowed, permitted to to say that they exist, that it's a debate if they're good or bad. And it's progress. And eventually I think that many of them will grow to accept them. So that's a good thing. Like culturally, I think it's a very good thing. It's a good step. It's not like everything's going to change tomorrow, but it is a good step. People are influenced by what he says, and, and it's just positive. Sweet. I love that background. I did look up how much Bitcoin MicroStrategy holds right now. It's 140,000 Bitcoin, so it's $3.9 billion at today's prices. So, yeah, getting close to that 1% number, that's pretty incredible. I, don't, I think that club of 1% people is just Satoshi now. And I think the Winklevi are under 1%. That's the, yeah, it sounds like he's definitely like on a mission to just buy up as much Bitcoin as possible. And I think he just made a pretty big purchase like a month ago. So the guy is like full steam ahead on Bitcoin. And it's cool that he's aligned with this future of like activity on L1 being a good thing and that fees aren't like actually the problem. The problem would be nobody wanting to use your chain. So yeah, really solid backstory there, Udi. Thank you for convincing him that ordinals are cool. Let's go to Jan. You've had your hand up and then Beck and then Billy. Yeah, thanks so much. I actually listened to the whole interview yesterday and I would recommend everybody to listen to it because I have to say that some of the arguments that he made were actually really awesome. And Udi, I just have a very direct question for you. So is Michael Saylor actually loved in the Maxi, Bitcoin Maxi community or what's the dynamics there? I'm just a little bit perplexed because yesterday Dan Held mentioned something about this interview and there was some Maxis basically jumping into the thread and saying, hey, you're disillusioned, like he doesn't like ordinals, that's not what he's saying, blah, blah, blah. And so I started engaging with them and said, hey, listen to the interview and I think it's pretty bullish. And they started, oh, you guys, 
guys are shitcoiners, blah, 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 blah. So I'm just like trying to figure out like, is he actually loved in the Bitcoin Maxi community or what's happening there? Loved is a relatively weak term to describe the feeling that the laser eyes have for Taylor. I would say it's way more than love. It's a combination of worship and almost ownership, really, that he has over them in in a sense. I, I, and, and I don't know. I don't know that it's intentional on his part. By the way, I, I think they they devote themselves to him in a kind of unsolicited way. <laughs> I don't think he asked for it. <laughs> but yeah, there's a very strong, almost, I think some view him as an actual messiah of Bitcoin at this point. This is actually not an exaggeration. I've seen multiple references of that kind, but that's fine. Yeah, I think that some people, and I've seen this too, I think that some people, it's just going to be difficult for them to hear that their, their, their biggest hero is like supporting the thing that they hate. And it is going to cause, it is causing and going to continue to cause some cognitive dissonance over there. But the issue, the main issue with the laser eye cult is that every single thing that happens in reality is going to cause cognitive dissonance for them because they are completely like out of the loop. Yeah. At the end, it's healthy. Everything that will, the faster they snap out of it, the better it's going to be for them. I don't think it really matters for the rest of us, but it's good for them. I, so, you know. I would say it's half and half, though, Udi. I know he gets the speaker roles at all the conferences. I actually met him in November at the Pacific Bitcoin conference. But I've ran into a lot of people who at first are like, yeah, this is the institutions. Everyone's going to fall in line. Every public company is going to have Bitcoin on their balance sheet as a reserve asset because they're melting iceberg of cash. But really, I think it was like drunk off this, oh, my God. Sailor announced he was going to buy Bitcoin at 16000 and the market front ran him, and now he has to buy 24000 and it was just like a chain of, I'm going to keep using this cash flow to buy Bitcoin. So it had that GBTC effect last bull run. But then people were like, wait a second, is this really good that this billionaire just came in? Now he's the Bitcoin guy. Is it good that he has 1% of the supply and it's all centralized? So I would just say... It's 50-50. Sure, he's speaking at all the Bitcoin conferences, but if you actually ask around, I think surely some people think he's God. And sometimes when he speaks, he's got that giant Bitcoin wooden wheel behind him. It's like totally messiah shit. But then I think there's a large cohort who's fuck billionaires, fuck Michael Saylor. Hey, I know. Look, the the laser eye cult is very diverse. There are are many ways to be mentally ill, not just one. And, And some people are uh, expressing their mental illness by uh, adoring uh, Michael Taylor. Some people do it another way. It's, 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 it's very diverse. I don't, I don't want to say, I don't want to make the claim that they're all the same. They're absolutely not. They, they have very diverse illnesses and sicknesses. But specifically for Saylor, yeah, yeah, some people like him, some people don't. But I think if you, it, he's definitely up there on the most liked Bitcoiners list, that's for sure. But yeah, there are also a lot of people who don't like him. Absolutely. Yeah, I also wanted to add, besides MicroStrategy having an ungodly amount, 140,000, Sailor himself has 40,000 or something, personally. So that is 1%. He's got 1%. Oh, it's you're like saying kind of... in total. Okay, yeah, I thought MicroStrategy had 114,000 wow. or something. But yeah, that is seriously bullish. That's beyond, oh, I'm going to dominate this only 200 million users, and I could make an impact here and save my reputation of being like sued by the SEC or whatever happened. I came across Sailor as soon as he started making the circuit on these podcasts, and I listened to this series he had with Robert Breedlove. His show is the What is Money show, 
And I got to hear him talk literally for, I don't know, seven hours, 10 hours, 14 hours, literally. Damn, Billy. I know. Seven hours. I know, dude. This, <laughs> I would exercise and so, I would put, put on these laser-eyed podcasts. He's a serious guy, bro. If someone can get you to listen to him for seven hours. That's... So I've been in his brain. Now, like you said, I, I do think he's highly intelligent. He went to MIT. He's predicted a lot of these trends. He's written a book called The Mobile Wave where he literally predicted Facebook and all this shit. Like, he's no dummy. And it's okay that people can change their their minds. Yeah, he called it a scam. Now he's literally the most bullish all-in person ever. But when you listen, I suggest everyone check out this, the seven-part series on the What Is Money podcast with Robert Breedlove, who has also been renounced by the Maxis, which is funny. It's some brilliant stuff. He, it's, it really changed my perspective, and I shared it with a couple of people, and it, it made them switch their 401k over to Bitcoin because you have this guy talking about it as like energy, as digital energy. And I, I think it's a really interesting take that people can wrap their heads around the real world implications of converting energy into this monetary good, this monetary battery, if you think of it that way. It's just really interesting. And People should check it out. Yes, I used to be a maxi, but here I am rocking a punk. So let's go. I was about let's, to say, you sound like one of Moody's works. Of- let's go, baby. You can't put me in a box. <laughs> Billy does. Yeah, there, there's no worshipers, according to Billy. <laughs> uh, I love the takes of Billy. That's all. I, dude, I agree. The guy is clearly charismatic. I listened to him for a bit there. I didn't listen to the whole thing, but. Yeah, I think he, I know he did go on about. CNBC. He said, take out a loan against your house, sell everything you own and buy Bitcoin. He might have been trolling, but that's also like Elon Musk level SEC investigation. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's interesting. Look, like I said, like all I know is he's like a controversial billionaire figure that absolutely loves Bitcoin. And it, it makes sense. He's got 100, 180,000 under his kind of somewhat control there, which is quite a bit of Bitcoin. Amanda, you are someone who has met him in person. Can you share your experience in a little more detail here now that we're just doing this micro analysis? Just tell a funny story, and hopefully, I'm not getting rugged by cell reception because I said to come outside for a little bit, touch some grass with my daughter. But um, yeah, so I met him with Bill, I was like during Art Basel a couple years ago when we were just getting the company started. And my takeaway was that I walked away from this lunch at his house being like, oh, my God, I need to buy more Bitcoin. He was literally like any company that's taking venture financing should just take that financing and invest it in Bitcoin because the value of that Bitcoin is going to go up faster by the time they figure out their business model than them actually getting revenues and getting off the ground. And, the, and I'm, that's like the TLDR. But the way he sold it, I was like, he is definitely a Bitcoin maxi, but also a smart guy and very obviously pro- Bitcoin and very persuasive in person on, on why you should buy Bitcoin. So I can see why he's, you know, a big fan and going to be speaking at, I think, the Bitcoin Magazine conference. And we do have some sources who are very close to him um, in the mining community who have spoken about ordinals. So we've heard some back channel, very positive references that, you know, he is excited about, obviously, the fees for miners going up for high value digital assets to be on the blockchain. I think we've said this before, but coin is double the market cap of Ethereum and is the most secure, most decentralized L1 and has not gotten the bump that all the other L1s, Ethereum, Polygon, Solana have gotten from NFTs. I think if done right and done you know, respectfully with the Bitcoin blockchain, it should add a lot of value to that ecosystem. And I think he's seeing that, which is, is great for all of us. 
<laughs> I love that we're like doing back channels with like people who know Sailor to get like hints on sentiment around Ordinals. Like Udi, you need to step up your game, buddy. What do you mean? If like you want, my look, if, if well, you guys, he's not, he's not the easiest guy to get. In touch <laughs> if you guys are trying email, to get pretty... to Sailor, just ask me. <laughs> he's a pretty busy dude. He might be meant right. to mention Udi. Waiting for the tweet to come out from him. Udi, I'm still waiting for the Sailor photo with like shades with you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, guys, I noticed Amanda. You mentioned Bitcoin Miami. David Bailey's in the audience. Bailey, we'd love to have you come up and share your perspective on this. Maybe if, if you have any or feel comfortable speaking on what is, has turned into a let's microanalyze everything about Sailor and Ordinal segment. But yeah, Beck, you've been waiting patiently with your hand up. What's up? Yeah, what's up? What's up? No, I mean, it's super interesting, like hearing all the different opinions on Sailor and everything from so many different backgrounds. It almost feels like for someone that was calling it a scam this whole time and then like completely went bullish, like it almost feels like a Jim Cramer type of situation where like he would be the anti-signal. But it sounds like the Bitcoin people really love him. Trevor, I am curious on ordinals and stuff. You're doing a ton with startups are you seeing, was there a lot of talk today about Sailor's speech? What are you seeing with the startups and their focus towards the ordinal stuff? Yeah, I think I think there's a lot of founders who like him, but I think that it's more of a, for me, this is like a sign that the biggest Bitcoiners will get excited about ordinals. For me, this is, hey, there's still more, I think, liquidity for the art and inscription side on Ethereum than on Bitcoin. We've done some amazing volume, and I think a lot of it's, of course, BRC20. But this just shows, I think there's sleeping giants out there in the Bitcoin community. And they're seeing Sailor get activated, start to talk about it, get excited about it. shows me that those... Sailor getting activated. Trevor, you need to tweet that, bro. I love that framing. He's activated. He's on Team Ordinals now. Yeah, Ordinals is awesome. I don't think that anyone, anyone who spends the time to actually look into it and not just approach it from a, oh, I can't touch this kind of a thing. Ooh, this grosses me out, to oh, let me touch this. Let me get my hands ready. Let me play with this. It's really hard to walk away from that and not be excited about it. And yeah, you'd have to be like anti-Bitcoin if you don't want users and fees. If that's something that I'm, I'm struggling to wrap my head around, maybe David, you understand why some Bitcoiners don't want it to grow and get more users. David, what's your take on the situation? Oh man, I'm in the war room right now. I'm working on the conference, so I don't... I... I feel like that could be a uh, an hour-long therapy session. But yeah, I'm getting to spend some time next week with Sailor, and I'll report back on what his PFP collection looks like. He was telling us that he was very excited to bid on a, a Taproot Wizard at the conference, but I'm hearing rumors I'm going to have to... I'm going to have to let him down. So it's true. There have been rumors that there will be a Taproot Wizard auctioned at the conference, but unfortunately we have decided what we're gonna continue to not sell them and not give them to people who want them i don't know if you guys know the episode of south park where there's this cool episode where cartman i think his grandma dies or something and he gets a big inheritance and he's oh my god i got like millions of dollars and he buys a theme park and then he's writing all the all the attractions in the theme park and he takes videos of it and he like buys ad spots on TV and he's like going, hey, this is my new theme park. It's awesome. You all should come. But you can't. <laughs> no one can come. It's only for me. <laughs> and and this is the strategy that we decided to go with for Tupper Wizards. I, I'm just, look, the real reason is as soon as I, you know how when you own some PFP and suddenly like something happens, like Elon tweets 
a milady on the on the timeline, and then everyone runs to OpenSea to delist all of their miladies because they know it's going to pump, but they don't want to end up selling it for too low. So as soon as Sailor was like, yeah, actually, I like Ordinals, we canceled all of the planned sales for Double Wizards. I'm like, nope, I'm deleting all of them. <laughs> Sorry. I think it's going higher. <laughs> MicroStrategy's bankers are going to be very upset. They were planning a bond offering to be able to bid. And this is very short notice for them to have to to call off the dogs. So, Udi, rugging Sailor already. Wow. No, and I'll just say for Sailor, like I don't want to, I don't want to speak for him, but just broadly speaking, he is a savvy, intelligent investor. He owns a lot of Bitcoin, and he wants his Bitcoin to go up. I know that's crazy. I know that's just mind blowing and mind boggling for people to wrap their head around. But he wants the price of Bitcoin to go up, and he seems to be someone who is open minded to people wanting to use Bitcoin. And wanting to own Bitcoin, and he seems to want to encourage that behavior, as reckless as that is. That's my high-level analysis of what's going on. Um, and I do think that if we can demonstrate that ordinals, BRC twenties, Bitcoin native assets are drawing the broader crypto ecosystem into Bitcoin, he won't be the only outspoken champion of this from the quote real world and but like we do need to demonstrate that because people don't want to go to fucking bat and deal with the blowback they just don't care enough so it's if they're gonna deal with that shit it needs to be fucking worth it love that David, I have a question for you while you're on stage here with us. First, how large of a security detail will you be providing for Udi at the conference? And then two, would you please, and this is me on my knees begging, put Udi and Taylor on a stage together at some point in time, even if it's for five minutes. <laughs> it would be the most entertaining piece of content, I think, you could possibly produce out of your conference. Well, so we, we do have a, a part of the conference called The Deep that is for whales only, and all the speakers get whale passes. When he's coming off stage, Udi, you got to be well-positioned in the deep, and I will make it happen. There we go. Let's go. David, speaking of listening to people for hours, um, should we talk about the recent podcast you were on where you were dropping bombs about GBTC? Dude, that was incredible, (laughs) man. You sounded like so deep into that shit. It blew my mind. I, I gained a lot of insight about... Barry and Grayscale and man, that whole situation is pretty fucked up, but well done, man. It's a fucked up situation. Big flowers. That has been a massive time uh, drain for me, uh, much to the chagrin of uh, my company. And, uh, but uh, it's something that I really have no choice at this time to, but to do because it, it, it has to be done. And, the thing about like immunity is that immunities only end in one of two ways, like victory or execution. And you can't just start immunity and then not finish it. We're throwing immunity at DCG. The inmates are taking over the prison and we are going to free the world's biggest holdings of Bitcoin. Yeah, we don't have to get into it. I just thought it was seriously mind blowing as someone who's been following that shit for a while. Even that like, surprise me when you're like 
when you realize there's actually this entity who helped facilitate potentially the demise of, of that giant meltdown with 3AC, Celsius, FTX, the whole lot. Thanks again, man. Mad flowers for just... Yeah, appreciate it. I can tell you, I will just say that there's a lot happening there. There's some developments that are going to be happening in the next 30 days. There's going to be developments happening at the conference. There's going to be things happening at the conference. We're holding a what we're calling a shareholder meetup since it's technically against the rules of the trust to call a shareholder meeting. It's a shareholder meetup. It's a completely separate and different thing, completely unrelated to a shareholder meeting. And yeah, we we are scheming. We're scheming. So that's so I, badass. I think the, that's so badass. Yeah. Next, next thirty days. The the next thirty days is going to be pretty critical and if some shit happens right in the next 30 days yeah my lawyers would tell me that just, just shut up here so there's a lot that's happening in the next 30 30 45 days so anyway awesome wow yeah you've definitely teed up a lot of things to happen over the next month or so here very exciting yeah trevor david i am pumped for bitcoin miami next week are you pumped what are you looking forward to dude bro i am already exhausted like it's this is gonna be man there's a lot going on there what i probably like the most is like when it's not business time which is like when the real business happens like in the clubs the after parties the dinners 11 that's where the action happens but my team's looking at me right now what are you talking about i just don't like uh having to be on point all the time but yeah, the conference is going to be interesting, people. It's a bear market conference, but we really put ordinals front and center at the event. We really, we put it in the programming. There's the debate. There is the ordinal alley. And we had Casey giving a keynote. Casey's a little bit burned out by everything going on. So right now he's not doing it. But, but like we've really put ordinals front and center. And it was like at first people were just pissed about it. But now ordinals is like the most relevant fucking thing happening in all of Bitcoin. Honestly, in all of crypto, this is the most relevant thing happening. I'm hearing from people. I've heard so many different opinions on this. The Ethereum community is going nuts over this, talking about how how shitty BRC20 is and how it'll never compete, like just coping so hard. And yeah, I think now there's like a bunch of intrigue in terms of what's going to happen at the event. And I think people are going to be surprised that in meat space, like who's actually a proponent and who's actually pro innovation in Bitcoin, who makes it silently on Twitter because they don't want to say the wrong thing. I got to give flowers to David because look, he, he they picked up on this fairly early. And with, in my view, with a pretty significant reputational risk because Bitcoin Magazine is like the number one and Bitcoin Conference is the number one conference in the Bitcoin space. They could have just gone the, the usual thing and not take any risk and not risking any kind of criticism for every, from anyone. But they decided to add the Ordinals Gallery to the conference to do their own Ordinals collection to get like a bunch of Ordinals related talks on stage. They had to make these calls like fairly early on to make it, to to organize it all and make it happen. And a lot of people were really pissed. (laughs) A lot of people were really pissed. And 
I think that now today it's it's becoming clear to everyone. I think it, it was the right choice, but it wasn't that clear when they made it. So that's really awesome. Like taking that kind of risk and having it pay off is really awesome. I can tell you that like, uh, you know, where our company is operated by a bunch of OG Bitcoiners. And so the mindset that our company has is like early Bitcoin mindset. Um, and Bitcoin Magazine was is arguably the oldest brand in Bitcoin. Maybe not the oldest, but like top three oldest brands in Bitcoin. And when we went Bitcoin only in 2018, um, we were the first brand in the world to go Bitcoin only. No one was doing that. Um, now, there are maybe other companies that just did Bitcoin stuff, but they didn't do crypto stuff and then say, hey, we're not going to do crypto stuff anymore. We're only doing Bitcoin. And so we made that decision when everyone said we were stupid for it. Everyone said, there's no way to build a business that's Bitcoin only. You're just going to destroy your company. But we didn't care and we did it anyway. And then when the decision came along to encourage building on Bitcoin, innovation on Bitcoin native assets, Bitcoin native collectibles to, to do all the things on Bitcoin that these other protocols claim they can exclusively do. That was just an obvious thing that we had to support. We don't, and, and we don't make these decisions based on what we think other people think we should do. We make these decisions based on what we think we should do, based on our values, our worldview, and that's what's led us to the position that we're in today. And as soon as we become afraid of our audience, afraid of being who we are, then we're doomed. And I think as the rest of the crypto world realizes what's happening here, and as the onslaught of new users and new adoption of Bitcoin happens, I think every Bitcoin company will have to confront this existential question of what they think Bitcoin's role is in the world, what they think their role is in the Bitcoin landscape. And it might be easy right now to do what everyone else is doing. But once you're in the minority on that view, like you're going to be on an island and it's going to be real hard to get yourself out of it. Dude, authenticity is the only way to go. Love that. Yeah, Udi, it sounds like you've got a wingman here for Sailor. From my perspective, Amanda's been planning operatives around Sailor's inner circle. You need to play a little catch up here. This little wingman situation doesn't play out. Dude, he's going to buy an on-chain monkey dimension. It's not even a question at this point. If I can get a taproot wizard, I will get you into Sailor's after party after the conference. That's the deal. Dave, you're going to have to do better than that. I want a one-on-one dinner. With all due respect, the after party for Sailor, if I go there, it's going to become the Udi after party. What type of guests are going to Sailor's after party? If I go there, (laughs) not necessarily like the best... <laughs> the best idea. Listen, you do know that I basically broke El Salvador, right? This is not. I'm, I don't think it's a great idea. One-on-one dinner. That's what I want. Hey, people! I will see you in Miami. Come hydrated. Come ready to build. I'm ready for it. I'm looking forward to it, David. All right, later, guys. See Gals. you, David. Awesome. We have some hands who've been waiting super patiently. I think. Eli, and then Lauren, and then Beck, and then we have Owl, who's got a cool little segment for us coming up here towards the end. What's up? Yeah, that was great to hear from David. It was a pleasure to host the Trustless Dutch Auctions on Gamma for the BTC Magazine Ordinals. And so actually, that's being shipped, ready to go live to all creators next week during the conference. So 
excited about that. So disappointed, Udi, that you're not going to be utilizing that and getting some price discovery going for some Taproot Wizards, man. You could have started at 100 Bitcoin, gone some Bitcoin halvings, gone to 50 Bitcoin, even though it would probably sell at 100 Bitcoin. You'd be setting an amazing precedent. But uh, no, seriously. So yeah, it's exciting that's being shipped next week. And it was a real pleasure to um, host and work with Bitcoin Magazine, as David put so eloquently, how they stuck to their thesis and they stuck to their guns and that they... You know, they went against so-called the grain, if you like, on perhaps for who they thought their target market was or who people assumed their target market was, pardon me, maybe they knew who their target market was and stuck to it. And I think that's been really cool to see happen in the ordinal space. And I think that that's what's going to separate the companies and the builders on ordinals that, that last the longest. And so like yourself, Leonidas with Ord.io, you're really like building for the people. And I think that anyone who we're seeing what's happening with the people who are against ordinals, they really are the minority. But yeah, I think the ordinals conference and seeing the, you know, with the, with these auctions going live and there's going to be a huge Dutch auction, which is happening in an event in you know, between ordinal diamonds and D gods, which is be, going to be hosted on gamma and then ordinals alley really celebrating art on Bitcoin. I think it's huge. Like we might say that we're that this is happening in a bear market, but if you've been involved in ordinals, it doesn't feel like a bear market. Like I haven't been this excited. I, I got into crypto at the end of t- 2016. I haven't felt this sort of invigorated or revived in the space in all that time. Like you, you just can't. Every day is an exciting day, and it's it's been an absolute pleasure. So, yeah, that's where I'm going to round that comment off because I did forget where I wanted to go after I got silly. But I just think that that. Yeah, it was mainly a kudos and flowers to David and for Bitcoin Magazine for breaking the so-called mold, even though they didn't see themselves in there, because I think that that's key. I think that this movement or this ordinals of what have really reinvigorated, and not that I don't want to use the word revived because Bitcoin was always doing what Bitcoin did, but I think it's really reinvigorated Bitcoin. Like it's been unbelievable to see this many people using it. It's insane to me that people who consider themselves Bitcoin maxis want to see the chain used less in essence it's what they're saying no other chain has this you realize that it's like there's no subset of solana people who are like oh my god I wish we had less users using- yeah <laughs> <laughs> it's like it literally makes no sense it's psychotic all. <laughs> all right i'll i'll, <laughs> I'll leave it awesome. there awesome yeah dude i share your enthusiasm it's like 2020 was DeFi. 2021 was nfts 2022 was like the sam doquan show and then dude 2023 Ordinal be, ordinals, baby. Yeah, very much share all the enthusiasm with you there. Lauren, thank you for being so patient. Welcome to the stage. How are you doing? Thanks for having me up. I really appreciate it. I also want to say how much I appreciate Trevor's turtleneck trait. It's a trait that's underrepresented across NFT communities, if I do say so myself. But I actually, I came up to ask a question, but I also think I might have something that could augment the conversation. I was fortunate to have Jeff Booth speak in a space with me. I'm a little bit out of my depth talking about Bitcoin. I'm not a maxi, but I'm certainly interested to learn more as a direct result of ordinals, by the way, because art is like what I'm most interested in. I asked, I DM'd you, Trevor. I wonder if it's okay if I can pin an article that Jeff wrote to the top. It's called Signal Within the Noise or something. And I think that it could give some good perspective on why Bitcoin maxis are like giving pushback against ordinals. But what was interesting, and this, I, so he came on the space. I think it was January, maybe February, before ordinals. And so he definitely spoke about 
building layers on top of Bitcoin and that it would happen eventually. This article that I'm going to pin to the top, if it's okay, uh, basically talks about why he's troubled by other blockchains like uh, Ethereum and Solana and all the rest, basically, because Bitcoin, as I understand it, where the blockchain trilemma is concerned, they've got security and decentralization nailed transaction like scalability transaction capacity is the issue and so when i think about why perhaps bitcoiners maxis would have a problem with ordinals i would have to guess that it has to do with transaction capacity but it seemed like an inevitability where he was concerned and so when i think about maybe why michael saylor changed his tune on it perhaps like even having the ability of inscribing art on bitcoin and having that innovation would influence people incentivize people to make those improvements and speed that up because i will say that the sense that i got from jeff was that it seemed like a longer ways off and i will say ever since I've been hearing about ordinals. I've been like dying. He came in our space because of my friend. It wasn't my connection, but I've been dying to DM him and just ask him what he thinks about ordinals because based on this article that he wrote. And so, yeah, I was just, the question that I have is just a confirmation. Is it because of the way that it like affects um, the capacity for transactions and also, I was at the Open uh, Metaverse Summit earlier today, and someone said that 90% of trades on Bitcoin were like speculation-based, which was really surprising to me because I thought that people treated it more like if, if there was any currency, cryptocurrency that people treated more like gold and, and an asset to hold, I thought it was Bitcoin. Does that sound weird to you, the 90% thing? Yeah, I'm not familiar with that, but that kind of gets a little bit, I think, philosophical about what is speculation. I would love to talk to Jeff. I think I actually know Jeff from like a long time ago, like actually like when I was like learning entrepreneurship in university. He's a really OG marketer. If you ever heard of inf- information marketing, like he's like prolific in that space. I mean, that, that space gets a bad rap because it's let me sell you a book about how to sell a book kind of thing. And But he's really sharp and he's been an entrepreneur and he, he built a successful real estate business or something like that before that. It's just interesting to see him come into Bitcoin because I have that little like weird feeling where you met someone outside of Bitcoin and they're in Bitcoin. He has a whole different kind of persona now. I think he's a really smart dude. I do think that he's deep in the maxi community. The stuff that he talks about are all like the, the halal or blessed type of like protocols and stuff like that. And I think that there's it's part of that immune system. A lot of this ecosystem is like politics as much as it is anything else or any as it is logic, right? So I do think he's on that kind of like, he's in that tribe, so to say, but I think he's a smart dude. And I think that like he has good perspective to share. He's not really a developer. Like he's not an engine software programmer or engineer. He's more of a business guy. I haven't been as impressed with how deep he's gone on the technology side, but I think he's doing a lot of good for Bitcoin and his, he's doing like a VC fund to invest in startups. I don't know a ton about it. I think he'd be someone really cool to talk to. And I think he probably would. And I think all the people in that camp are going to flip over to Ordinal's once the kind of like the political immune system response like fizzles out more because we're seeing like with Bitcoin Magazine, with Sailor, these are like giant dominoes that I think get knocked over that continue the cascade of people opening up into what is a a perfectly logical and and good thing for Bitcoin. There's cognitive dissonance and there's cope, of course. And the the whole idea of of cope is that it's part of the stages of grief and and you get through it and you come over to the other side and you you realize... um, what what's good about this because 
at this point, the demand for ordinals is cannot be stopped, and it's become such a massive movement in community where our Twitter space regularly flips all the other Bitcoin Twitter spaces in terms of interest. And so every time a community grows, and this is like going back to what Udi's been saying about like how Bitcoin culture has been many different things over the past decade and a half, um, from where the initial Bitcoin culture was to like the culture in 2015, to the culture in 2018, to the culture in uh, 2021, to now, the culture has constantly changed, where you see even during the block size wars, like you see, and Nick Carter had a great post about this, comparing like some of the maxi talking points today to some of the like talking points during the block size wars where like actually it's the opposite of what like the Bitcoin who ended up winning uh, was saying and, and advocating for on Bitcoin. And now some of the hardcore maxi talking points are similar to like the B cashers who, you know, forked off. And there's been a meme about even like the babies are dying kind of thing. That's a, uh, Udi's joke about El Salvador and the babies are dying. But I also think there's still this like political aspect to the ecosystem that's fizzling out. And we're trying to bring in as many people as possible. We don't care about any past grievances with maybe the exception of one or two people. But then, you know, like this is, Ordinals is not going away. And I can recognize when people like advocate for just like the halal technologies. It's like a giveaway. Like when someone's, oh, Biden is the worst and he did this. And then like they have Fox News on the other room, like, you know, without asking them what their leaning is. So I'm going to give the uncensored version of what Trevor just said, because I feel like Trevor was being very diplomatic. I actually know that, that article, Fighting Signal in a Noisy World, I, I read it a couple of times. I, I actually, I sincerely believe it is the worst uh, Bitcoin article to come out in the last three years, by far. It is actually complete bullshit. I think the guy is a very good marketer. He's very good at... Oh, he's one of the best mar- He's an old school marketer. I think what he's really good at is taking ideas that people have been talking about in the Bitcoin crypto space for a while and repackaging them, putting them in a blog post putting them in a book, putting them in a series of podcasts. And he's done that pretty well. The problem is that he picked the wrong ideas. <laughs> and because he's not engineers, he's not an entrepreneur, like he is an entrepreneur, but he's not an engineer, he's not a developer. He doesn't understand those things very deeply. And he unfortunately ended up talking to the wrong people when he start, got into the space and bought the top on Bitcoin last year. He ended up accidentally packaging the wrong ideas into blog posts and books. Specifically, that that blog post is talking about that idea that there's this trilemma between a blockchain being, you know, scalable, decentralized, or secure. Which is, I don't want to get into the details. We could definitely delve into the details, but that's the general idea. And if that part is true, but the part he missed out on is that any choice of of two parts of the trilemma are legit. You don't have to choose the one. Bitcoin chooses. So the two that Bitcoin shows are great. And that's why we love Bitcoin. Bitcoin is awesome. It's fantastic. But it's not the only choice. People and companies and platforms that make a choice of other two are just choosing a different set of trade-offs. The point that the article is making is if you make another trade-off, you're doomed to fail. And that's ridiculous. <laughs> There's absolutely no evidence to support that. There's no, the article just talks about, oh, it needs to be decentralized and secure because, but it doesn't pre- present any evidence as to why. And it just makes the prediction that 100% of the thousands of projects that choose different trade-offs are necessarily going to fail, which is absolutely ridiculous. And the reason that he's saying that is because the people he happened to talk to told him that. <laughs> and then he did what he does best, which is taking the ideas that people told him and repackaged them in a blog post that is convincing and 
and marketing it to to a large audience of people. And it does promote Bitcoin in a way, so I guess that's good. But but it also promotes ideas that are bad. And and at, at the end of the day, Jeff Booth supports a lot of centralized solutions, a lot. Like he supports a lot of Lightning wallets that are fully centralized, and he supports a bunch of like custody solutions that are fully centralized. And that's fine. I don't personally think there's a problem with that. They they choose a separate, a different trade off. That's good. Maybe it's a trade off that's going to work. I'm not a prophet. I don't know what's going to work and what isn't. But the article by Jeff Booth pretends to know everything about what's going to happen in the future just based on which trade offs you choose. And that's not how the world works. You choose a trade off and you try it, and we'll see. <laughs> and so the article is actually really bad. <laughs> I, I think it's bad because it takes those really bad ideas and it presents them as, as if it's like gospel and it's really not. Like most of the evidence seems to got, contradict the conclusion. That is my uncensored opinion of that, that <clears throat> terrible article. Sorry. Thank you for that uncensored opinion. Yeah, Trevor. Yeah, I think he brings up a lot of fair points and I would agree with the non-scientific sort of nature of these opinions and the non-falsifiable nature of the opinions and they are opinions. But I think Jeff Booth is a, a great person to be in the, in the Bitcoin community. I think that he will, by nature of talking to more people, he's new in the space too. I'm new as well, but I have been jumping in all the different communities, getting diverse opinions, and I'm a developer, so I've been analyzing things for myself. But it's just funny because I'm trying to Google like stuff about Jeff Booth because I'm always, I always, I like read this guy's books. I watched, used to watch his like, like he would give away the CD courses where you have like five CDs on how to do marketing. And I would watch the stuff. It was really inspiring to me as a young entrepreneur. But now if I Google like for this stuff, it's all gone, which just shows you how good he is at information marketing. That like all the all the search listings are just But I think as to Udi is saying, and this is a bigger problem with Maxi cultures, is there's this like pride in talking down to people and not having a genuine conversation that like I are, we already know the answer. And this is something that I get not only on the Twitter spaces, but I see them doing it to other people. And when I go into the big max events, it's it's not a conversation. Like they're not they're just interested in telling you that you're that that of course this is the right way and this is hundred percent right. And I think that's probably fine if like we were all scammers or something. If this was like ICO, hey, we just scammed everybody. Yeah, that's how you would talk to somebody, but we're all like genuine, legit people trying to consider options and see where the future is going. And so I think if anyone in the audience is going to these, talk to more of these Bitcoin Maxis, just be prepared for that. Just be prepared that sometimes you're going to get into conversation with the Maxis where they're not, they don't want you to say anything back. You know what I'm saying? They don't want you to give a perspective. And sometimes you just got to nod and then go to a different conversation or move on from it. Because I do think, I don't know, it's weird because they are like a lot of Maxis are trying to like genuinely connect with you, but they're just doing so in the most like socially, almost autistic way. Uh, that that you can, you know, it's I know something, and I'm helping you by telling you that I know that you don't know. To that point, Trevor, this is actually very interesting, and I just want to put it out there because I was thinking about it yesterday because I was having some interaction with a Bitcoin Maxi that wasn't really nice to me, and now I can imagine the world that Udi has lived in, and you all guys have lived in for a while. I'm just like really curious how these Bitcoin maxis, they're telling everyone they want to onboard the world to Bitcoin and uh, they want to onboard people that maybe don't know anything about Bitcoin just yet. And they're just so not nice, you know, so like I can imagine just a situation that somebody who is new to Bitcoin is going to say something wrong, one word wrong. And what are these maxis going to do about that afterwards? Are they going to say, hey, you don't belong to Bitcoin right now because you just don't understand it, whatever. So I was actually really yes, wondering, yes, will, what is do. the plan here? What is the real strategy behind this? 
I would say there's words that are not allowed. They're like there's like uh, five letter words that start with an S that like if you say this at the wrong conference, they ask you to leave the thing. I know someone where he went in there and he said the five letter word that starts with an S and uh, he was kicked out. And I was like, oh, man, Chris, dude, you you should know not to say that word. That's the word like they Wait, like, which word is that? What Wait, we- Trevor, do you mean six letters? Yeah, six, six letters. letters. Six letters. My bad. <laughs> I didn't count. I was, I was like, five <laughs> it's better. It's better because it's closer to four letters. You know what I'm saying? It's the equivalent. Unless they were using the ticker, they were using the ticker. It was three letters. So yeah, so some of us know that word. If you want to know that word, I'll whisper it in your ear later. After I look behind my back, make sure no one's around. I'll, a word that is, you know, a perfectly fine word to say, but in this type of an environment, they will, a switch will go off like you're a scammer. You know what I'm saying? Like a, it's, oh, how I shouldn't have trusted you. I think it's just very bizarre. But anyway, this is the reality and we got to meet people where they are and we got to try to work with them to the extent that it's not an inconvenience and it's, you it, can handle it. Because again, I think that we need to unite Bitcoin and that's why we want to have a big tent here to bring in as many people as possible and let go past grievances to an, to the extent that we can, to the extent that they're not, they're not deal breakers there. And I'll definitely throw in there that you definitely have the opportunity to engage, take things personally and engage. And I don't usually that almost always, if you've had like interactions with other humans and you just say bad things to them, like you're not necessarily going to, that's the least effective way to change their mind. So you can always, you always have the opportunity to like turn the shoulder and that person will potentially come back in three months with a completely different attitude. And I've seen that happen a lot. And just like these whole bag bias type situations, these dynamics exist in every part of the space. And yeah, very much on like what's happening is, yeah, of course, none of us are being included into the, we're not being welcomed into the maxi kind of cult, right? We have created our own kind of tribe. Udi is basically leading a culture war and there's two tribes. And that is, there's very much a divide between the two groups right now. There is not a whole lot of intermingling. And the sailors and the David Baileys are right in the middle of that. They're like in between like that. There's a lot of, there's a lot more intermingling than you think. Usually what happens is you've got the, you've got the laser eyes on their main account, calling everything a shit coin on their secondary account. They're literally like picking wizard showers with their faces covered. And they're like... Trading, bro, they're minting the BRC twenties before most of you guys. They've no idea. They're they're so fast. You have no idea, bro. They're they're all over it. They're all over it. Not all <laughs> of them. Not all of them. But there's more intermingling than you think. Gotcha. So there's there's some maxis lurking here in the shadows, just hidden behind these wonderful frog profile pictures. And just yeah, yeah, the yeah, second second your point, Leo. I fully agree that kindness is the answer. Like shout at each other. And like trying to insult each other back and forth, that's that's not really going to bring any value to anyone unless you really want to build your engagement up or something, because obviously people like when people fight. But in general, if we want to have some sort of conversation, then kindness is the answer. But ultimately, I also agree with Udi that it's much more practical to focus on people that are maybe not in the ecosystem yet and onboarding those first rather than trying to change people's minds. So I think there is always a balance. But but I just have to say that I really appreciate the work that you all guys are doing because I haven't been in this ecosystem for too long. 
and just having these few interactions with these people on Twitter. I just think it's really demanding, emotionally demanding to keep doing this like every single day, having these conversations and even just listening or reading those comments on Twitter that are not nice. And I can imagine that like you guys have been probably getting so much more heat than when I just engage with one guy saying that Sailor is bullish on ordinals and he doesn't think so. It's really... Oh, is that what it was about? Really what, did they, Jan, what did they say? Like, did they say he wasn't bullish on them? After talking. Yeah, they were basically just saying they were arguing with Dan Held, like, hey, man, listen to the interview again. This is not what he's saying. He's not <laughs> bullish on ordinals. This, you're understanding it wrong. Yeah, no. Look, dude, Jan, there's, this is just my perspective. There's, there's nothing productive that comes out of that, right? It's somebody who just doesn't want to believe what's happening in front of their eyes. Yeah, I don't think the goal is to change anyone's mind. I think the goal is to give other people permission to share that they've changed their mind and kind of to welcome people back in a way that they can save face. I think that I don't think we're going out there convincing people. We're just doing our thing. Good vibes, good energy, good discussions, good community, and founded on like real ideas and rigorous arguments and logic. And we just need to be like available to welcome people. Let them give them permission to and support them in that effort because it's crazy. But Udi and I have been on Twitter spaces where we're with a Bitcoin max and he's vibing about ordinals. And then his business partner calls him up and is, tells him that he has to leave. And then he's, I'm sorry, guys, I'm having a, a good time, but I've been called to to leave here. It's, and Udi's talked about this, how there's like a big thing, Bitcoin max. He's like, you, they try to ostracize you for talking about something. It's just absolutely ridiculous. That culture is not going to last at all. And so it's just like being there to welcome people back, give them permission and support and the ability to save face, I think. Yeah, it's very much a cancel culture type tactics, right? This is obviously pretty effective on the internet, to be completely honest. And I'm definitely a little weary, like even in our space, I see there's a line you have to walk of what is worth calling out and what is worth not calling out, just even inside of our ecosystem. And it's an interesting line to walk. And I've seen there's probably situations where it should have been caught out more. And there's situations where it was probably caught out way too much and people overly freaked out. And you have to just be conscious of creating a culture where that line is in a healthy zone, right? Because in the maxi world, that line is in an extremely unhealthy zone. And you don't want to head completely the other direction where it's like now everything's completely fair game, right? There's obviously things people shouldn't be saying. But yeah, we need to keep a culture that, that has a pretty fair, pretty fairly thoughtful line. And it's, it's not the easiest thing to do. But I would say so far from what I've seen, I think we're doing like a pretty pretty decent job from like a culture perspective and i think that it'll be interesting to see how that evolves over time but that line where it is now is very much a line that is going to benefit us in the long term because basically like maxi retention they're really good at retaining people in their community once onboarded but their onboarding is just absolutely completely catastrophically terrible right like over the last four months their growth of the maxi cult if anything it might be negative (laughs) and the growth of like our group is just doubling every few weeks so yeah, let's keep the line and like the line that like, let's just say there's this imaginary normal person. What does a normal person like want? That's probably where the line should be. Like we don't need to be going like way too over the top having this like completely bizarre internet community. Let's keep in perspective that we're all just like mostly normal people that in general like to experiment and have fun, but also don't like really bad things happening either. Yeah, just wanted to throw that out there. And it's something like definitely I'm trying to keep an eye on the culture of things. I know Trevor and Udi and we, it's very important that we have a culture that allows people to experiment from my perspective. So I think we're doing a pretty good job with that. Lauren, you've been waiting patiently. Did you want to respond to any of the stuff that Udi or Trevor or Jan said? 
Yeah, just a quick response. It definitely goes back to the political affiliation thing. And when you have political tribalism, you're very unlikely to be forgiving and respectful of other opinions, which is too bad across the board in any spaces. Don't cancel culture like understanding and respect for differing opinions. But I do appreciate uh, your perspectives. I actually brought it up because I thought Jeff Booth and Sailor were of the same ilk, um, but they obviously seem like different um, kinds of people in the space for people who know the space better than I do. Um, but it's interesting because I did also think where the trilemma is concerned that if you had to sacrifice one, I would have thought uh, Bitcoin maxis or ordinal people would choose scalability because to me like when i like i'm a perfectionist so uh i sometimes i'm guilty of uh wanting perfection at the cost of greatness or goodness and that's not a good thing right and so when i think about ethereum and like its connections to jp morgan a bank and there are a lot of issues with all the, the blockchains none of them are perfect but i would have thought that scalability was the one that if you had to slow and steady would win the race. So that's why I was a little bit surprised to hear that. And so also because of what I understood it to mean for the value of ordinals. So inscription on Bitcoin, I thought it meant like it, it definitely to me, who doesn't know a lot, it, it implies value. And I thought it was a branding thing. But I also thought, like, when I was thinking about an- analogies to the traditional art world, because that's the way I think, I was like, oh, okay, this is, like, analogous to having a branded gallery or a branded partnership. But then something you said, actually, Leo, in a space in the last couple of days, it made me think more about the materiality, think about it as more, like, relating to the media, and it, f- it feels less ephemeral. And I guess I'm shifting my perspective and away from branding and thinking that it means that it's more permanent because it's inscribed on layer one blockchain. Is that right? Yeah, it's a file. Think about it like this. Just like you can upload a file to your computer, you're uploading a file to Bitcoin. Literally, you can go to Dropbox or Google Drive and you drag and drop an image into Google Drive. That's how the interface for inscribing is now, like all these different tools. You just have a little box, you drag your image into it, you drag your MP3 file, your your video, your PDF, whatever, and you're obviously going to be paying a lot more than Google Drive for the hosting. But yeah, that's really all inscribing is. It's making sure that your file is going to get stored in such a way that it's the most permanent and immutable way to basically store that. And I've said this many times, I'll say it again, there's not a single better place to store a file on planet Earth than inscribing it onto the Bitcoin blockchain and knowing that it'll be there in 100 years. And I love that Sailor, I doubt Sailor saw my stuff about the 100 years, but I think that is, that really to me is like- You must have, Leo. That must have been it. <laughs> no, it, it makes sense. It's, that is the pitch for inscriptions. Like the fact that it'll be there in 100 years, that's what personally really resonates with me. And there's definitely value in that. It's definitely worth 20 bucks, 50 bucks. And the, the calculation in my head is if you're an artist, when you create art, you can put it on any chain, right? You can tokenize that art and store that art anywhere. And if the value of putting it in the best, most secure art gallery in the entire world for maybe it costs $100, $500, depending on what you're describing, if that is less than the value that is added to the collector who wants to buy it, then people are going to choose Bitcoin. And to me, people are going to be choosing Bitcoin for a lot of assets that are worth more than like $1,000 each. 
I think let's do good things and then Eli, then Udi. Yeah, what's up, guys? So I just want to chime in on the whole maxi versus non maxi thing. Like, it's definitely not something that's going to last. Like, you don't start uh, a strong network by being exclusive. I think you guys have made that point very clear. So I think it's just like, that's it's a non-starter. Like, we I think we were all talking about this. I've been talking about it for a while. But once ordinals hit, you now have a use case that's going to attract people that are they don't even know about maxis. So like now you have to convince these people who don't know about your ideology when they they're not coming to the chain for that ideology. Like it's a really it's a lot of friction to recruit somebody into that camp when they're coming in about the excitement of putting like high value digital assets on the most important layer one blockchain. The other thing I want to mention too is like meeting people in person. I'm super excited to meet Trevor Yon next week. I don't know if Udi's going to be in town hoping I can meet him, but we're going to be in, in Miami for Bitcoin. And there's no better way in this world to onboard people, to get people to understand like that you're a real person other than being like IRL together. And so I'm super excited for next week because you got a full like roster of amazing people. Like we're going to have all of our team. Danny will be there. Amanda will be there. I'll be there. Patrick will be there. And all you guys will be there. We're going to convert some fucking maxis next week. I'm really excited for that. Yeah, I heard that, uh, Trevor, you're bringing some bodyguards, right? I see your tweets and you're taking it really seriously, right? Oh, yeah. Have you seen Hashbender up here? This dude is stacked like a freaking wide receiver. And Polymath from Onchain Monkeys. This guy is like a lineman. Yeah, I would love if the if you guys have a problem, if you guys think I'm killing babies in El Salvador and the, the chain, just come talk to Hashbender and Polymath and see if you have the same attitude. Leonidas, I think you put it really beautifully. I think to explain to somebody the just the permanence of the of art or a file on Bitcoin and that it's gonna outlive us and that it's the ultimate storage layer. And that it's immutable and that people, you can't get rugged. It can't be people, if you pay, stop paying for the pinning and storage of it, uh, of files and IPFS, like those files can or will disappear. And I think that people perhaps still don't necessarily realize like how, how big that is. The fact that the art we say in crypto or in NFT is like the art can't get rugged. And that is just worth every dollar. And so it, when fees were up, if you value what you're inscribing that highly, the fees don't really actually, yes, unless you can't afford them, fair enough. But the fees don't really matter that much. Like even today, fees are down, I think, what was it, like 45 sats per VBAT or something at the moment? I can't remember. And I don't know, 100-ish dollars to inscribe. But in the grand scheme of things, if you average it out over the lifespan of, you know, of how long this art is going to, or file is going to sustain, you're really paying like, nothing per day if you want to actually do the hard maths on it so it's been really interesting to see people bringing that up at least in the sense from ordinals and secondly what i think has been interesting i've been doing a lot of calls and stuff lately for gamma and people the whole bitcoin maxi thing i think like we don't even need to give them this much oxygen but the amount of people or the that have come from ETH, solana the six letter word that starts with s that we're not allowed to say all of the other ecosystems who have come to Bitcoin, who never even really held Bitcoin. Like I got into the space, like when I first, my first cryptocurrency purchase, it was Bitcoin, but it the like ordinals and then even NFTs brings more of the masses in. It's so much more relatable for people. People see art, they see communities, they want to be part of it. They want to own 
an on-chain monkey. They, they want to own... Udi hasn't bought my book, so I'm not going to mention his project. They want to own a Pepe that's been inscribed onto Bitcoin. That's the thing. Yes, there are still people that perhaps come in and just want to buy Bitcoin, and, that, and that's how they get into it. But I would hazard a guess that NFTs and ordinals have onboarded more people in the last, say, five years. Oh, five, not five years. That's too long. Three or four years, maybe three years, since it's become really popular into the space and that's why they've bought crypto and that's why they've purchased nfts it wasn't just to buy crypto it wasn't just to come in and buy um bitcoin and i think that's another thing which ordinals has done which is probably gone like a little bit underappreciated particularly from the people within the space i was like naive to it i was shocked at like people i've spoken to that had never actually owned bitcoin until ordinals came it became a thing and now they bought bitcoin because they want to buy art on bitcoin making bitcoin that productive and bringing more bitcoin wallets again just go that maxi argument is just insane but yeah that's something which i've certainly seen over the last few months since we've all been talking about it yeah more just excellent eli i very much align with your thinking on a lot of this stuff thank you for sharing that yeah Udi. I just went to Amazon right now and I purchased ebooks from all of you guys. Okay, I know. I don't have an ebook been, yet, Udi. I know that it's don't been a while scanned. since my last. E-book I e-book I do have an ebook, by the way. Trevor does. Yeah. Wait, do you actually, Trevor? Yeah, man. Yeah. Yo, <laughs> come I on, dude. You're a published author, dude. The Kill lean, it, Trevor. The Kill lean. It. I have a signed copy, guys. I have a signed copy from Trevor. The the lean enterprise: how corporations can innovate, like startups. Available in Mandarin, Japanese, Korean, and other languages. Damn, is that for real? Yeah, man. It is for, for real. real. It is for real. On on the topic of, of bodyguards, I have I have uh, I have a serious request. This is not funny anymore. Okay, not I'm not being sarcastic anymore. This is it. Serious moment. The Bitcoin Magazine conference is probably going to be the last event to ever go to alive. We all know and expect what's going to happen. So I want to. I just want to ask you guys from the bottom of my heart to come with me to celebrate my last moments in Bitcoin Miami 2023. So we're going to actually have a very meaningful debate about Ornals on stage at Bitcoin Miami in, I believe it's May 19th. I think it's, I don't remember the exact hour. I think it's 1 p.m. Miami time. You should be there. Like every single person who's in this space right now, you should be there because it's going to be like an epic debate with actual laser eye maxis on stage. And it, I, I might also get assassinated. So like you should be there. Ideally, everyone should go with wizard hats to show your support because we're going to need your support. I think there's going to be a lot of laser eyes in the audience. I think a lot of people are not going to be happy with the things we're going to say. I don't know that they can afford the ticket, bro. I don't know if the laser eyes, they don't have enough Bitcoin to afford the ticket. So it'll be mainly wizards, I think. (laughs) That is a good point. That is a good point. But really, for everyone in the audience, it is a a big moment in ordinal history, also in wizard history. And we do need your support. So please pack your wizard hats, put them in your bag, and show up on May 19th. To literally the most important live debate on ordinals ever, and and probably my last debate. Thank you. Yo, Udi, you could make your fourth. We'll be quest. there. <laughs> you could make your fourth quest so funny. You could be like, we just we just all bought like two hundred Bitcoin uh, Miami <laughs> tickets live just now in real time. Let's go. Hey, any, for any broke Bitcoiners, we have financial aid also. 
Oh, by the way, if if you're a broke Bitcoiner listening to this, you can use the code Wizards when you're checking out, and you'll get the uh, you'll get some ten percent off or something. I don't know how much off you'll get. You'll get something off. Even I'm even thinking about the laser eyes here. So I couldn't stay away once my team left. I thought I'd come hop back on the space. I'm wanting to talk to Hashbender. David, I thought you came back because you gave a call to Michael and you got Udi the one-on-one. Oh, he said for that to happen, though, he can't call off the bond offering that they're doing. Udi, you'd have to make some more magic. It's not just one tap root wizard. We need the auction to happen. Tell him to slide into my DMs with a shower video and we'll discuss it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. So, David, what are you talked about the Ordinals alley? You talked about that Ornals is front and center. That's awesome. Are there some other kind of exciting things that you are looking forward to? And it's hosted at the at the conference center. Is that downtown Miami? Give us some more on the next week. Help us plan out our week for where we should be in. Oh, man. My brain is fried right now. Yeah, it's Miami Beach. It's at the convention center. And yeah, we have a lot of content. We have a lot of content. We have four stages, three days. The And we have a, a stage for everyone. So we have a dedicated stage for miners. We have a dedicated stage for developers. We have a dedicated stage for the business enterprise community. And then we have the main stage, which is where we put the keynotes, highest profile announcements, etc. And we got some cool stuff baking there. I don't know. I think I'm probably interested. I'm excited to meet RFK. I don't really know his story, but he seems to be pretty authentic about wanting to support Bitcoin. And I'm pretty excited about this announcement from Indonesia. We'll see what that's all about. And then, yeah, I'm interested in some of the Layer 2 stuff for Bitcoin native assets. I'm hearing that there's going to be a couple RGB-based apps that are like going to actually launch and be real and usable. We'll see. And it's pretty interested to see what that looks like. And then, yeah, I'm excited to meet the on-chain monkeys as well. I was just chatting with Amanda. I don't really know much about the project, but I found out Danny is part of it and Bill is part of it and two solid OG Bitcoiners. And I was a big block seer fan. What a great product. So ahead of its time. Pretty dope to hear. No surprises. All the best Bitcoin OGs. They love the ordinals. Yeah, super well said. We've got Nullish up here joining the rare sat hunter himself. Let's go. Yo, what's up? How's everybody doing? Just decided that I would pop in for a little bit. Listen in while doing some work. Yeah, I'm super excited to touch down in Miami next week. I'll be missing the last day of the conference, unfortunately. But yeah, so I'll be at Ord. I'll be at Bitcoin. So yeah, uh, looking forward to meeting everybody. Dude, Nolish, please find me while you're there. I'm I'm a big fan of what you're working on. Rare Sat speaks to my soul. I think it's I think it's very cool. Dude, Hashbender, you're the reason I came back here. What's up? Yo yo, what can I do for you today, sir? Dude, I, first off, I just wanted to give you a shout out and Luxor a shout out for really crushing this ordinals moment and in general crushing as an innovative mining company and wanted to hear your thoughts. I haven't heard anything from you yet about what you think the next six months looks like for mining pools 
and for mining as an industry generally and what this fee market is changing for y'all. Yeah, that's really appreciate it. Yeah, yeah. If anybody doesn't know, I'm Nick Hansen, the CEO of Luxor, were the ones that mined the first wizard, and that kind of started our trajectory of this whole ordinal saga. We jumped in, bought ordinal hub like the first or second week, and pretty much have just been all in on this. So that's just for anybody that doesn't know me, that's how we got into this. Uh, so appreciate the platform. I love coming and telling the story of Luxor and everything that we do here. Uh, as for your question about uh, what's going to happen with transaction fees uh, going forward, I actually like to look to ETH and how ETH uh, mining happened, like especially over DeFi summer. Uh, you can see exactly what was happening during that time. Uh, fees were skyrocketing. Miners were making tons and tons of money. Uh, that actually was what prompted EIP-1559, which is the burn, basically the burn, what, what would you call it, the fork that introduced like the burn mechanism to ETH, basically burning a large portion of the transaction fees and making ETH effectively deflationary. So ultimately, <clears throat> I think we can look to that as a really good predecessor, or we can learn a lot from how that operated. Now for Bitcoin specifically, how mining pools and the way that we operate will change over the next six months. Um as we've already seen over the last week, especially with these super high fees, is that you need to really be maintaining uh, high connectivity nodes to make sure that you're getting the transactions that are being propagated across the network very quickly. Uh, that's something we've done a lot of before. We were basically preparing for something like this, uh, which you can see in the the fees by block. Luxor has been able to outperform the other pools as it pertains to fees per block. We've gotten both a combination of lucky, but also I think we're just good. You can be both lucky and good, and I think that shows up in kind of the way that our blocks are being mined. What I'm specifically referencing is that we, as a pool, have the largest percentage of block reward coming from the transaction fee portion of the reward as opposed to our competitors. So that's something we've been in, uh, able to you know, do really well at. Yeah, that's how I see it. That's how we're preparing for this. Uh, I do think there will start to become MEV on Bitcoin if BRC20 or a similar protocol becomes uh, ubiquitous. Uh, I'm not sure BRC20 is the one. Uh, it sure seems like people like it. I'm not here to tell the market what's what, but there will start to become MEV on Bitcoin. Early on, it will look a lot like searchers were in, in previous, basically the first ETH searchers basically just plugging in to the mempool and trying to front run each other with higher and higher transaction fees but as we get more sophisticated the mining pool will become the one ultimately doing that and that's where if you want to go learn a little bit more of how that went down with eth you can look at flashbots which is a protocol that was actually merged into eth core as part of the i believe was actually par as part of the merge upgrade lots of things that we can learn from history and and that's how i view Bitcoin mining and our role in it going forward. So how much bigger do the fees need to be or does the market need to be for before MEV shows up? And do y'all see ourselves as like the flashbots of Bitcoin? And do y'all have any thoughts on like dark pools or basically allowing people to pay y'all in order to ensure their transaction isn't front run? Yeah, it's a Great question. I don't know. Obviously, Bitcoin mining is a little bit different than ETH, but I would say that we're going to do what the market tells us, which is right now start getting ready for various types of MEV on Bitcoin if BRC20 or similar protocols exist. What that means is being able to analyze the mempool in real time and make assessments 
on what the what the state of the block will be after it's been confirmed. So that's something we're definitely considering and thinking about. I don't know how hard we're going to head that direction because I'm not sure that these any of these like protocols are going to work. So that with that, we're basically just having basically watching cautiously and putting in we're, it's a lot of stuff that we were going to do anyway, like being able to analyze the mempool, that sort of thing in real time for inscriptions. That would be something we'd be doing anyway, but now it's going to change. It will change if that results in us doing real MEV on Bit. And then what was the thesis behind the Ordinal Hub uh, play? Yeah, so I, I'm going to I'd be the first one to admit that I missed NFTs on ETH. Like I, I always was the guy that was like, it's a JPEG. You can right click on it and save all that stuff. And I never really got it. But that doesn't mean that I'm right. So I can be, I can both dislike it and be wrong. And so I'm not going to let that pass us up again. We didn't get the opportunity to really take part in any of NFT summer and all the craziness that went along with that. And so I want to make sure that we're positioned well in case this thing does blow up. Again, I like to look to history, previous trends. They usually repeat. OpenSea and LooksRare were some of the biggest and most profitable businesses of the previous cycles. And I want to make sure that if that is what happens this cycle, that we're ready for it and we're able to be maximized value for both ourselves and also the Lexa shareholders. Bro, you're doing an awesome job. Really impressive and very bullish signal on the future of Luxor in general. Congrats. Yeah, I really appreciate it and looking forward to the event next week. I do have to drop. I just wanted to come say hi for a sec, but wanted to definitely make sure that we'll, Luxor will be rolling deep to BTC23 here next week in Miami. Hit me up or hit up any of the folks that'll be coming. We'll probably be, I don't know, 14 or 15. So it's going to be good. Appreciate it, man. Hope you guys have a good rest of the spaces and thanks for uh, having me on. Peace.